And we are back. We've yes, another, yes. We've got another giveaway this week. We've got a lot of giveaway, little giveaway action. We've got another feature giveaway this week and uh, TV and a lot of fun stuff. Uh, so, uh, what are you looking forward to for the summer, Tim? What's, any movies that are anything coming down the pike other than Avengers? Everybody wants to well, see. Well, you Avengers. know, I was, the Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the big thing, though, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. sort of like sucking all the air out of the room. Yeah. What do you? What do you got? What do you? What do you? Uh, you know, I, I I'm kind of looking forward to the return of Mary Poppins. Yeah. I I after after they ran that teaser. Uh, during the Oscars, and then I went and saw the thing online. I I'm kind of looking forward to it. I mean, because I I had a uh, one of the uh, one of the more challenging courses that I had at UCLA was children's <laughs> literature, uh, which actually was a really interesting class. Uh, you could it's one of those classes that all the jocks take because they think it's going to be a, an easy. Mm. They're like kids literature, awesome. I'll just read pop up books and Dr. Seuss, and I'll totally get an A. Uh, which is not what it is. No. It's you know, bridge to Terabithia yeah. and Mary Poppins, and 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 the, and it was actually very challenging. You still had to write essays. Oh, you lots still had of to... lots of Jungian analysis. Oh yeah, going on when you're studying that stuff. Yeah, and, and um, but we read all the Mary Poppins books, which are nothing like Mary Poppins the movie, by the way. Uh, as people learned from, I, I hope from uh, Saving Mr. Saving Banks. Saving Mr. Banks, yeah. But uh, but yeah, they apparently took uh, several, if not all, of the remaining books if memory serves there's like five more of them and uh kind of mashed them all together and uh you know like the second one the actual mary poppins comes back i think is the second one Mm. uh takes place like six months later or whatever it doesn't it's it's pretty instant whereas in the movie the kids are grown up Mm. in this new movie so they're they're borrowing, but they're making it their own too, and it looks like it looks like it should be a lot of fun. It's interesting it, as, as I think about it, you know, to actually answer your question. And it's not that I'm looking forward to these uh, movies, these these remakes that that are coming out pr- probably actually later in the year or next year. But uh, you and I talked about this earlier. They're remaking Shaft again, yeah, and Superfly. Uh, you know, uh, black exploitation fil- yeah. exploitation films from my youth, and uh, and uh, these these are terrible ideas. <laughs> this is just a really bad. There are all kinds of reasons not to do either one of those things, uh, but there they are. They're going to happen. Uh, yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I must go see. Uh, what? It, how? I guess it would be the millennial generation. I guess yeah. it would be them. Yeah. Will be interpreting uh, my baby boom fair, which which lives very much at the time that it was made. It's a reason why Superfly works and Shaft works at that yeah. particular time. But anyway, whatever. You know, and and Deadpool too. Of course, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I find it fascinating that Josh Brolin is the go-to villain in two Marvel movies yeah. that open within a month of each other. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? How did yeah? How did that? That's that, first of all, good agents. His really agents, good agents. His agents are fabulous. Uh, I think it has something to do with that square well, head of his. C, he's going to be a mostly CGI'd in yeah, uh, in, in the, the Avengers, yeah, in basically. The Avengers. Uh, but you know, when in in Deadpool, he's he's there. He's yeah. what is he? Chain is that the name yeah, of the guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. So good for, uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, good for him. Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, it's great. Uh, good for him. Absolutely. So yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be fun, and then <coughs> oh, oh still, cough, still cough. coughing, still, still it's still it's a little bit, yeah. It's gonna be with me for probably another week or two, you know, off and on. Uh, the more you talk, the more it, the more it irritates you. Mm. Uh, and then we also get Ant Man and the Wasp in July. Yeah, and you know the Wasp, whatever, all uh, the Marvel stuff. Uh, but Ant Man, you know, first of all, that was a, a surprise hit and a surprisingly good movie. Paul Rudd. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the original movie when he shows up. Uh, you know, um, we'll have to see, you know, whether or not the thing. So, you know, look, a, a diminishing amount of return for yeah. me is, is on all these movies. That's not like um, I'm looking forward to any of them. Mostly they will be things I will need to evaluate. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I, again, the fall is where I think I see a lot of interesting things coming down the pike. And we'll, there'll be some interesting foreign films. Um, so, Solo, does that look any good? The Star Wars Han Solo thing? That looking even, I mean, knowing no. what we know of the troubled production? No. No, it, it <laughs> no. doesn't. I, I'm such a downer. Because I know they're the fan, you know, the yeah. fan kids out there. But look, I have to look at these things sort of rationally uh, uh, and, 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 and evaluate them. And I'm sorry, no. Incredibles 2. Yeah, I, am, I'm, yeah. I, I think I, I may have fun with. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I can, I can think that I'm I'm a little bit curious about is um, I mean it's all summer stuff. It's all sequels. Uh, the Mamma Mia sequel. Yeah. Uh, look, the first one. I don't know if I ever talked about this on the show. Uh, I love ABBA. I do. Yeah. Uh, I love ABBA music when it's sung by ABBA, not by yeah, Meryl, Meryl Streep and Pierce yeah. Brosnan. Um, but but here was my reaction to when I saw the movie because I had not seen the stage production and I, I scrupulously avoided it. Um, watching Mamma Mia, I sat there. Did you see the same screening I did? Oh, did yeah, the same screening? I okay. Saying, oh, yeah. I sat there with this look of you. You know how people when in in um, in Mel Brooks is the original producers. The look on people's faces in that shot of the audience when they realize what they're watching, yeah. he, what he's, the whole Hitler and Springtime <laughs> yeah. for Hitler thing, that look of abject horror and shock, that was the look on my face for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of Mamma Mia. And then I basically just cried uncle and gave in. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. gave in. So I wound up liking it, but, but, but basically uh, taking a shower afterwards because I just didn't I didn't love myself anymore well you know look the, the ABBA absolutely but you know uh, I don't know uh, but by the time we get the uh, again I'm stuck on these remakes because uh, you know Diego Luna yeah. is doing a remake of uh, Scarface so uh, wrong again again it's just so you know wrong. and 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 whatever I suppose it, it's all homage to in, in a certain way you know they're, they're they love these movies they grow up with these movies but I don't know uh, I mean, Scarface is Scarface Pacino yeah. it's already we're good we're good we're solid with Scarface uh, and the all female Oceans Eight. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, I'm just. And again, you know me. I love my gals. I love my women. But, yeah, but no, no, no. It's gonna be. It's gonna be Ghostbusters. It will all be. over it will again. Be. It you will know? be. No, just think of something else. Yeah. And well, it's the, it's like the problem that I have with the new Greatest American Hero. They basically created an entirely different show and then decided to call it Greatest, Greatest American, American Hero. Hero. No. <laughs> It's not the same show. It's not even close. It's fine what you came up with, you know, but but give it a different title. Yeah. yeah Seriously. Yeah. Just yeah. anyway. All right. Well, I'm going to start today with a big old stack of cult, and we got some ah, great yes. cult stuff, some really cool cult stuff. We haven't covered the uh, the whole grindhouse thing in a little while, so uh, I'm going to hit some of these. You're definitely going to want to get some of these. There's some really, you know, there are labels, there are entire labels that are dedicated to to culty stuff, and. Um, <clears throat> This is kind of uh, quasi-culty, uh, but I'm, I'm going to include it here anyway just because of when it was made and what it's about. Uh, this, is, uh, this is from Raro Video, which, is, which distributes through Kino these days. Raro Video typically releases primarily Italian stuff of, of a sort of cult and genre, you know, gangster movies and some horror stuff uh, from the uh, 1960s and 70s, typically. And always comes with a great Blu-ray and a book and a really nice slip cover. So Raro Video does a lot of great stuff. 
Uh, you can f- learn more about them at Raro Video USA. That's R-A-R-O VideoUSA.com. Uh, this one is called The Teenage Prostitution Racket, which is as exploitation a title as I've ever heard, uh, by Carlo Lazzani. And essentially, this is just this is a look at the 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 toll of the uh, the sex trade uh, and and sex in life generally uh, through a series of kind of episodic vignettes that are all some are, some are obviously more interesting than the others, but they're all really uh, quite interesting and uh, and provocative, and uh, you know done in that kind of very garish with those garish colors and and the uh, very sort of. Uh, just that, that gritty sort of style of the 1970s that we associate with uh, Italian mobster movies and, and a lot of other Italian genre films. Anyway, uh, really a very, very interesting film, DTS uh, Dual Mono Audio, and it is The Teenage Prostitution Racket by Carlo Lazzani from 1975. Mm. We also have the beloved basket case in a nice new special ah, edition yes. custom case. This is, uh, whoa, I'm going to cough. Here we go. Mm. <coughs> There we go. Tickling my throat. Uh, I love Basket Case. Basket Case is great. Made in the 1980s for no money whatsoever. Uh, it, you know, this was this is like one of the the last of the 70s grindhouse movies. It just kind of trickled into the 1980s and 1982. Uh, it is uh, it's it's bloody. It's uh, you know it was the the first film that uh, Frank Hendenlotter did before he went on to do things like. Frankenhooker, yeah. which I still think is <laughs> utterly hysterical, and uh, you know what, Basket Case still it, it still it still works. I mean, it's uh, the whole the whole the whole um, the whole kind of psychotic Sweeney Toddish butchering excess of it uh, is it still it still kind of works. You know, the idea is that um, this guy Dwayne Bradley um, it, it keeps his he was born. He was born a um, a Siamese twin. Yeah, and his twin. W- they've since been separated, but he keeps his hideous, yeah. horrible, yeah. demon like uh, detached twin in a basket. Yeah, yeah. And and they, uh, you know, the t- twin gets away every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's quite a quite a quite a crazy movie. Anyway, it's fun stuff. Uh, there there are so many extras on this; it's not even funny. This is from Arrow, and it's really one of the most unbelievably jam packed Arrow releases I've seen in a very very long time. It, you know, uh, Frank Henenlotter does a, uh, a 2017 interview, which I love. This this just tells you how much fun they're having with this. When they describe when you when you read through the extras on the back of this, they even describe it as a brief interview with director Frank Henenlotter, a strange 2017 interview with the director. They even tell you it's a strange interview. <laughs> Fantastic. No, but there's another other. There, there's even you know the original archival commentary with uh, Henenlotter and some of his collaborators is on here, which is still better than the uh, the new commentary that they uh, they they put together with Henenlotter, which is still fine. Uh, feature-length documentary on all of the Basket Case films, where there's three of them in total. Uh, featurette on uh, going back to the, uh, the the original locations. I mean, you know, animated shorts. It's just tons of stuff here. Uh, Basket Case in a terrific new special edition that you just, if you're a fan of this film or this genre, these, the, the, it, you're going to love it. 
Uh, Severin releases an awful lot of really, really cool uh, culty stuff, and they always release them in these great black plastic Blu-ray cases that are just unmistakable. Uh, a couple of terrific ones for here. Uh, Jess Franco films both The Sadist of Notre Dame and Sinfonia Erotica. Now, Tim has very strong feelings about Jess Franco. <laughs> um who is, you oh, know, the oh sort God. of the, the Spanish uh, exploitation king of the 60s and 70s. These are right near the end of his, I guess, do we want to call it a golden period? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Anyways, 1979 and 1980. Um, you know, the sadist of Notre Dame, they're, look, they're silly. They're, they're just really silly and they're really excessive. And it's lots of uh, nudity and violence and whatnot. Uh, all of it sort of adapted from medieval... Uh, Marquis de Sade stuff, and it's, you know, whatever. Just Franco. Uh, it's just Franco, but uh, it's still, it's, it's, it, it, they, even though it was made in 79 and 80, they look like they might, have, might as well have been made in 69 and 70, uh, and a lot of really interesting special features here, including uh, a selected scenes commentary with uh, Robert Mon- Monell, um, who, who is a Jess Franco um you know, got like you'll 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 get it when you like it. It's just he'll give you an insight into into Franco that uh, even Franco wouldn't. There's also the gory days of Labrady, which is a documentary short on the uh, legendary Parisian horror cinema yeah. that is uh, connected to the sadist of Notre Dame. And uh, you know, uh, you'll 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 if you are a fan of these uh, films, this genre, you will thoroughly enjoy it. The acting is just horrendous. Uh, and and if you are a, if you if you are even a fan of the writings of the Marquis de Sade, some of which actually has literary merit, you will see none of that in Sinfonia Erotica. I just want I want to remind you the the connection to the Marquis de Sade is is tangential at best. <laughs> just just made a movie called uh, Downtown Heat, yeah. early nineties ninety whatever. Uh, Mike Connors, you know Mike Connors. Sure. Uh, Mannix was like the lead in it, and, you know, I mean, what, which I guess tells you a whole lot about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mike Connors in 1990. Anyway, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then we also have three Blu-rays from Synapse, who also releases a lot of great, uh, a lot of great genre stuff. Um, the uh, the most interesting one of these is not the one that uh, people might think. It's a special edition of Path of Blood, and uh, Path of Blood is um, is a is a Really, quite a. This was. This is actually a recent film. This is not a, a vintage grindhouse film or anything. This is from 2016. It's only an hour long, but it is. Uh, it's kind of a, a really rudimentary animated uh, tribute to mm. Japanese samurai films. And uh, even though the animation is very rough, they they say that it's done in the style of South Park. I guess a little bit. I mean, it's a little South Parky, but I think it's better than that. But it's uh, it's really actually quite fun. And uh, if you know the films that it's riffing on, especially um, the uh, Shogun Assassin movies and Lone Wolf and Cub uh, movies yeah. that, are, that are basically the same thing, uh, you'll, you'll have a real fun time with it. Uh, it's, uh, the filmmaker here is Eric Power, and I hope he does a lot more stuff because Path of Blood is really, really quite a lot of fun. Uh, on the more noteworthy uh, level is Dario Argento's Suspiria. Dario, yeah. Two-disc Blu-ray special edition, gobbed, gobbed, gobbed with extras. Uh, Suspiria from 1977 is one of Dario Argento's most famous films. It is uh, probably... Um, it's probably his most... I mean, it's it's tough to say. Between this and Tenebre, I don't know which yeah. one's more iconic. Uh, but uh, it's... 
<coughs> you know, May the same year as Star Wars, worth noting. Uh, it's you, you, know he's in, you know he's in, in post-production on a remake. Of Suspiria? Yeah, 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 yeah I heard yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Really uh, uh, Dario gave us two cool things. One of them <coughs> is a Suspiria. The other one is a uh, Aja. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, the, the, the whole thing takes place inside a, a dance academy and the, the, the horrible things that go on inside. And uh, they Synapse Films went and did a new 4K restoration of this uh, directly from the original negative. It's gorgeous to look at. It's a fantastic Blu-ray. Um, whether you like the film or not, it's it, you know it's, it's, that's your taste. Uh, but they really, really just jam it with extras. There's it, most particularly there's a um, a really interesting 30-minute uh, visual essay by a filmmaker named Michael McKenzie. Uh, there's a featurette on the original German locations, which is really interesting. Uh, there's a new anniversary retrospective of the film and, uh, you know, that tries to make a case that it was more influential than I think it really was. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, all this stuff is really, really quite interesting. So I'd almost say for the extras alone, it's worth checking out. And, uh, then lastly from Synapse is Unearthed and Untold, The Path to Pet Cemetery. Uh, this is, uh, a, a little bit of a, of a detour. This is, uh, kind of a, this is kind of an, a documentary tribute to the book and the movie that was made in 1989 from the book, and also a kind of a tribute to the, pl the, the places in Maine uh, that serve as the, uh, the backdrop and the inspiration for it. Um, so it's, a, it's, you know, if you're not a fan of the book or the movie, you're not going to want to get this, well, you, but it's a nostalgia piece. It's, it's quite a lot of fun. Well, interesting. Mary Lambert directed that film, yeah, and people forget, I mean, that long ago. Yeah. I, she was one of those early, yeah, 89, those early women directors. Uh, out there, Mary Lambert. And never had the career she deserved. Deserved, yeah, yeah. Really, a very effective film. Yeah. But well, they made another one, Edward Furlong. I mean, I did the I did the junket for Pet Cemetery Two. Yeah. And uh, so you know, yeah. And then lastly, Vinegar Syndrome. We love Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, it's a great name for a company. Uh, we got a DVD and two Blu-rays here. The uh, DVD doesn't need to be a Blu-ray because it's it's. It's you know the elements here are 16 millimeter movies. There's no reason to transfer 16 millimeter to Blu-ray, people. It just doesn't make sense. Um, this is a really bizarre, fringy, erotic thriller called Nightcaller, and uh, Nightcaller was made in 1975, and uh, nobody saw it then, and I'm not sure that anybody saw it since then. But it's really, really bad and unbelievably enjoyable to look at. They um, restored the elements in 2K. I don't know that they really needed to. I think the the, the, the nastier and grittier this looks, the better. Uh, but it's it's just a it's an old school sexploitation film, as you might have expected in the '60s. Except it's done with kind of '70s '70s social sensibilities, which makes it uh, kind of a, an unusual oddity in its own genre. Um, you know, it's a little bit along the same veins of. Uh, Oh gosh, what's the, uh, the what was the uh, the, Dor the Doris Wishman film? I'm trying to think of. Oh, which which one? Oh gosh, for uh, volleyball. Uh, no, no, no. This is. I mean, it's basically you know a woman who it, the the Bunuel film is uh, Belle de Jour. Belle de Jour. And and before Belle de Jour, there were a variety of other films in the exploitation arena that did similar stories of women, you know, with secret lives of prostitution. Yeah, good hookers. And, I mean, it's 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 sort of the dark side. Oh, of what's women. your name in the afternoon? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 the dark side of uh, women's liberation, right? Yeah. So that's the idea there, the cautionary tales. And then two Blu-rays from Vinegar Syndrome. We have Mary Mary, 
uh, with Constance Money. Now, if your name is Constance Money, you're probably not a legit actress. Uh, this was a quote-unquote X-rated movie at the time. Uh, it is... Uh, it, it, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily pornography. It certainly... Not, not by today's standards. No, not by today's standards at all. Uh, this is also uh, scanned from the original 35mm negative into 2K. Uh, again, didn't really need it. Um, but it's... Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a romp. It's a it's a it, I think it means to be funnier than it probably is. It it does have a boogie nights vibe to it. Uh, Constance Money was most famous for uh, starring in a movie called Misty Beethoven, which was much more of an adult movie. Uh, Mary Mary, both of you know Mary exclamation point Mary exclamation point uh, is kind of a minor entry in this genre, but for uh, for fans you'll probably enjoy it. And then lastly, uh, Jamal Fanaka's Penitentiary. <clears throat> Which is a really significant movie historically, uh, because at nine, you know, it's sort of the tail end of the black exploitation era, 1979. It um, it, uh, it it basically introduces us to Leon Isaac Kennedy, and uh, it's 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 very much sort of a transitional film, I would say, in many respects, because it technically belongs to the black exploitation era, but in terms of style and in terms of um, uh, approach and themes it's kind of moving into the 1980s it's moving to a different place and uh leon isaac kennedy is very very good in it but um jamal fanaka really uh i'm sorry that he didn't have a, a better career yeah. i um i actually um yeah i, I mean you know it, it, those penitentiary movies and yeah. you know ernie hudson you know it, yeah it, it, it shows up in some of the other yeah and uh they were a thing in the black community uh, way back right. in the day, right? Uh, the way they and, and you're right, Fanaka. I would uh, a bigger, yeah. You know, here's the thing about Fanaka. I went to a. Um, uh, he's he's no longer with us. He passed. Yeah. When did he not pass? That, maybe not not that 2012. Maybe yeah, something it was something like that. Like not that. Barely uh, long ago. Yeah, and um, he uh, let me see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. He passed. Yeah, 2012, April 1st, 2012. Mm. Uh, almost exactly six years ago. <clears throat> um, you know, it's really interesting. I went to a uh, black exploitation retrospective when they had it at the New Art Theater here, which must have been, gosh, around two thousand one, mm. two thousand two. Well, it was when we when we, 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 when yeah, we wrote that the, double the, that the, piece. the big article. Yeah, the, the, the big, <coughs> so yeah. yeah, so we wrote a we wrote a, a like a double sided uh, retrospective for Entertainment Today. So that's that's nineties. Yes, that's yeah, that's 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 nineties. Yeah. So that's even early nineties. And um, it was at and there was a and there was a a, a, a kind of a a. a, a um, what do you what do you want to call it? like a Q and A day where a lot of these people you know uh, uh, Ron Ron O'Neill was Ron there O'Neill, yeah yeah Jim yeah, was yeah, there yeah got to play the Mac uh, Max uh, Max, yes. Max Julian yes Max Julian was there they all were there for a big Q and A with 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 the audience it wasn't part of the screening part of the series it was like a an interaction to a retrospective mm. and uh, Jamal Fanaka was there and he was there with his little girl who was probably I don't know six seven eight mm. years old something like that and. Um, I had never been a huge fan of his films in particular. I kind of like the older stuff, you mm. know. I like the Rudy Ray Moore stuff, and Dolomite, obviously, yeah, Dol- yeah, yeah, and you know, all, and and uh, but he said something that I thought was amazing, and he said, and he's holding his little girl. He's up there taking questions, holding his little girl in his arms, and he's and he said, you know, um, I treat every single day as if it were the last, because I want every single day to be the best day that I spend with her. Mm. And I just, I started, I almost started crying. I just thought, this is like, suddenly I had a whole new understanding of the penitentiary films, yeah. right? <laughs> like, like now I understood what a big-hearted guy he was 
and all of the the exploitationy stuff kind of kind of fades away, and you see a whole different level in those movies when yeah. you suddenly know that about him. And it was very interesting. So I I really uh, you know I, I I wish he had had a longer career. Yeah. I really yeah. do. Uh, having that having whole had that LA moment. rebellion period in all really these interesting. Came out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you got? Right, so that's it. That's it for the exploitation stuff. Uh, let's uh, jump uh, into uh, new uh, movies. I, I guess these are new movies, right? Yeah. Uh, there are, you know. It, Brie Larson, who oh I adore, dear. she made this unfortunate movie. Basmati Blues. Basmati Blues. I'm a yeah. little more forgiving of it, but, but it, it, yeah. It, it, good intentions, you know, good intentions all the way. Anyway, it's about this young woman, a young doctor who's working for this company. She goes to India to uh, introduce, yeah. sell GMO rice. Just a whole thing <laughs> that has to do with GMO it, and rice. None and of this makes any it's sense. Just, it's this whole thing. It meets a young Indian man, a young, a young, a young man. Uh, a college student, and, and, and what's going on, and she finds out, of course, that the, the corporation she works for, Donald Sutherland, is in the movies doing something dastardly to... Yeah. Uh, it's, and, 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 you know, and they wrap her up in all of these Indian clothes, and, and, they're, and, 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 and you know, this is just... No, this is unfortunate. So so here's the thing. Kind of like, uh, what was the one with uh, Victoria and Ab- 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 uh, Abdul? Victoria yes. and Abdul, about yeah. Queen yeah. Victoria, when she goes, it's kind of like that. It's uh, Brie, Brie Larson clearly won. Uh, she had a, a hand in producing this, I believe, as well. And uh, the whole thing is so bizarre and misbegotten. Scott Bakula is her dad. It's just this weird, like, Western movie that wants to kind of halfway be a Bollywood musical. I don't know who this guy is who co wrote and directed it, Danny Barron. Uh, mm. I don't know how he got all these people to be in his movie. I really don't. It's just such an unusual, strange, misbegotten thing. But here's what it reminds me of. Do you remember from 1985 a movie called Water? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the only reason I remember this is because I was working at a theater as, a, as an usher when it opened. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and it opened, and it, and it was gone in a week. It was gone in literally a week. I remember that movie. Nobody saw it. Yeah. So Water was a movie directed by Dick, uh, Dick Clement um, in 1985, starring Michael Caine, and everybody showed up in this movie because George Harrison produced it. And so George Harrison got everybody that he could to, to throw him a bone and just show up in it for some reason. Ringo Starr and uh, Billy Connolly, Eric Clapton, uh, Brenda Vaccaro, all these people just show up in this movie for no reason. Valerie Perrine yeah. shows up for no reason whatsoever. The idea here is that that uh, there's there's yeah. This I'm looking at I'm looking at that one sheet with him standing there with that with, with the, the hat with the, yeah, and the, the whole thing. thing. I'm like, oh yes, it's ridiculous. So uh, the the idea basically has to do with water that is. Uh, a laxative and a colony in the Caribbean and everybody wants the water and I don't even remember what the plot was. I just remember watching this and just thinking, this is such a weird cultural collision nonsense. Anyway, Basmati Blues does not warrant that much discussion, but it totally reminded me of that. I just felt like I was watching water all over again where all these disparate elements collide and just fight to somehow try to share space and it doesn't come together. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and of course, again, good intentions. The point of the movie is that she yeah. is trying to say, oh, look at us. We've yeah. th- treated these people so badly, yeah. uh, but that's okay. And then you have the, the romance and they fight. Well, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Go, I'll, I'll go away. I'll go away. Uh, now, on the other hand, another movie, uh, this this movie, Sweet Virginia, hell of a little thriller here. 
um, that uh, you know a lot of people didn't see, but I got to tell you, is a hell of a little thriller here. Yeah. Uh, John Bernthal uh, uh, and Christopher Abbott in this movie. It's uh, Bernthal who plays Punisher. Who on plays uh, Punisher? Netflix. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of an imposing guy, interesting guy. You know, I first caught up with him in uh, yeah. Walking Dead, I guess, from the, yep. the early early part of the Walking Dead. Anyway, uh, there's this little town, this little community. There's already there's there's already been this uh, uh, these murders in this community. Uh, uh, and, and you have John there, and this, this uh, Abbott comes in. This other guy comes to the town, and they have this uh, odd little re- relationship, uh, uh, very tense. But they actually become friends. Uh, and the question of uh, the, obviously the issue of the murders, all of that. And man, this movie becomes just the most intense little pot boys. Nice. Just, just heavy, 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 and excellent, excellent performances. You got Imogene Poots in this movie and Rosemary DeWitt in this movie. Yeah. I would have thought it would have done better. Yeah. But you know, it's just one of those things because it is really, really good. Marketing is hard. Uh, but anyway, it's a hell of a little thriller. They got some good reviews. Uh, anyway, DVD here, not a whole lot on it. And I love Ferdinand. I don't mind yeah. admitting it. Yeah. So, Ferdinand the Bull, of course, started as a Disney short many, many decades ago. And uh, Disney, you know, is adapted from a book. And Disney, I guess, did not maintain the copyright on it, and which is unusual. So Ferdinand falls in the public domain and winds up as a 20th Century Fox feature film, which will now once again be in the Disney fold once Disney absorbs 20th Wizard Century Fox. Fox yeah. So karma, man. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> just Disney wins, baby. <laughs> Disney <laughs> wins. Every single time. Uh, so here's Ferdinand is, uh, of course, from the Blue Sky people who gave us uh, Ice Age and uh, all the other 20th Century Fox animated films. Uh, Ferdinand, I'm going to say, is the best. John, I, John Cena is actually very good in this movie. He's really good. You know, I, the voice, his voice, you know. Yeah, I, I just, I, I find this, and it doesn't have much to do with the previous Disney film or the or the book, per se. It, it You know, the idea here is that Ferdinand is a bull who just doesn't want to be a bull. Doesn't want to fight. Doesn't want to fight. He's just sweet and loving and just wants a family. And uh, I, I found the whole thing to be just so incredibly funny and clever. And uh, my daughter to this day, she, we took her to see it, and she enjoyed it. But what she enjoyed more than the movie was watching me laugh my ass off at this movie. <laughs> the, there are two things in this movie that are insanely funny. There are these hedgehogs, yeah. which are just they're – they're just a stone-cold riot. And then there are these German horses – which had me in tears. I was, I was, I was crumpled over. I was, I, you know, I was curled up into a fetal position, just laughing myself unconscious. It was so funny. Those German horses. I Kate could, McKinnon, great. Could, Bobby Cannavale, oh, fantastic. Great, you know. and, and I will give nothing away. I will just so just say there are some sight gags in this thing that are right up there with the best that you've ever seen with the Marx Brothers. Yeah, they are great. They are really great sight gags. Didn't win an Oscar. It, it was nominated. Yeah. You know, going up against Coco is is, yeah. is an unwinnable proposition. But Ferdinand on 4K Ultra HD uh, absolutely deserves it. Movies anywhere uh, get to add it to that as well. The extras are, you know, they're fine. There's a Nick Jonas music video and a few kind of diddly featurettes. They're not really a big deal. Uh, but the movie really, as a as a rewatchable uh, time and time again family film for adults and kids. I, I think it's the, the best thing that Blue Sky has ever done. I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, Choke Slam. This is a, this was, an, again, another one of those little, neat little movies. Just these little indie movies came out. Christopher Marquette, and that you'll know, uh, might not know his name, but you'd know his face uh, if you saw him. 
Uh, and this uh, sort of like romantic little turn, twisty, yeah. turny sort of movie. It mostly do with women wrestlers. You know, you got this guy. He's a mild man, yep. everyday kind of guy. He has his girlfriend who he was in love with back in high school. Uh, and uh, he has another shot at her. Uh, turns out she's this badass, you know, WWME wrestler <laughs> chick uh, who can kick his ass <laughs> among uh, among uh, a whole bun- a bunch of other hot chicks in this movie. And uh, there's a lot of that in the film, a lot of those wrestlers in the film. It's a cute little movie. And, you know, whatever. I wish it would have done better. But uh, as romantic comedies go, it found a new little sort of take on the romantic comedy thing. And, frankly, I love it whenever that happens. Yep, for sure. Uh, let's do, uh, well, oh, we, we, here we have one, so we have our giveaway. Oh, the giveaway. Yes, yes, yeah, put it over there. Got our giveaway. Forgot about this. <laughs> How can we forget about the giveaway? Set it aside specially. So Permanent is our giveaway from Magnolia. Thank you, Magnolia. We have four copies of Permanent to give away. Um, the, uh, you're going to want to send us an email to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. Uh, and just put Permanent in the uh, in the uh, subject line and your name and address in the body of the email please permanent in the subject line name and uh, email in the body of the uh, email and uh, make sure that you get us the email please no later than uh, the 6th Friday the 6th make mm-hmm. sure it's time and date stamped uh, on Friday April 6th again the movie is permanent with Rain Wilson and Patricia Arquette it is uh, this is one of those uh, being a teenager is a really horrible business movies yeah there are a lot of those Kira McLean plays the 13 uh, year old girl here whose parents are Patricia Arquette and Rain Wilson and uh, the whole thing takes place in a really garish totally beautifully recreated 1982 uh, small town Virginia environment and um, you know it's all about it, it's the the title takes itself its name from hair yeah because yeah. she gets a permanent you know she has tough hair rough hair mm. it's how hair impacts your social circle your relationships with people and how this is sort of the beginning of the end for all of her uh, attempts to fit in with the new school and um, and there are issues with the teachers and all this other stuff and of course at the same time her dad Rain Wilson is trying to sort of um, improve his position mm. uh, with uh, the worst toupee you've ever seen in the world. <laughs> and, uh, again, that's the other part of the, uh, the the hair equation here. Patricia Arquette is all frumped up and just wonderful as the mom. Um, as, you know, as a snapshot of uh, 1982, particularly this milieu in 1982, and all the issues uh, that surround the hellishness of teenage years, uh, permanent is, uh, is quite a lot of fun. Uh, nice packaging, slipcover with uh, all kinds of uh, uh, early '80s leftover disco motifs on it. I, uh, I I think you can have a lot of fun with this. This is on Blu-ray and uh, a few extras, alternate scenes, deleted scenes, and uh, featurettes. Uh, and we are giving away four of them. <coughs> so please send us an email to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. Time and date stamped by Friday, April sixth. Put permanent. In the uh, subject line and your name and address in the body of the email, and we will uh, pick four winners by April 6th and uh, let you know that following weekend and send these on out to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll do the thing, do the thing. Where are we going? Uh, TV. I, I got a little TV. I got some TV, TV. here. I got some TV right in my Knock hand. Knock uh, 13 Reasons Why, a fairly controversial series. Uh, first season uh, of 13 Reasons Why. So this was the series uh, that was about a young woman 
uh, who left a tape for several people explaining the 13 reasons why she committed suicide mm-hmm. some two weeks this has been a, earlier. This has been quite controversial. Quite controversial. Whatever, I guess we're, no point in hashing that all out here. Uh, people can sort of look that up. Um, th- you know, it certainly is a very well-made series, very well uh, acted. It, I can tell that they're trying to be sensitive to the issues. Yeah, uh, obviously, whether or not they achieve the correct level of sensitivity, I suppose, is for those uh, for people to sort of like discern yep. for themselves. But that's what's going on uh, uh, in, in in the show. This box is just an absolutely gorgeous box. I love the way yeah. they've done that sort of f- photography there with the reflection, yeah. and the little relief right there. So anyway, it's a deeply moving uh, and powerful series. This uh, includes several special features. Uh, behind the scene things uh, re- regarding the film, and obviously, and obviously, a discussion of some of the controversial uh, material in the film. So, you know, uh, at least when you get this, you get the controversy and a sort of ex- explanation of what they're what they're thinking. Yes, uh, really interesting show here, the Governor, the complete collection. Now, the uh, it's important here to understand that the in the British TV sense, this is from Acorn TV. This is a British show from the uh, mid 1990s. Yeah, Janet McTeer. Janet McTeer. It's important to understand that governor in in the British sense means warden in mm. our sense. So uh, prisons have governors over there. So a uh, better way to say this, the warden, what might be the way that would make sense here. Uh, this is the complete collection of this uh, brief but amazing series, twelve episodes. Uh, that ran in 95 and 96. Janet McTeer uh, has kind of made a little bit of a comeback in season two of uh, Jessica Jones on Netflix. Uh, Janet McTeer is, uh, which I'm not terribly fond of, I guess I should say I love her acting on season two of Jessica Jones. I just don't know that I like the inclusion of her character on season two of Jessica Jones, if that makes sense. Mm. But... um, Anyway, J- Janet McTeer is a is a powerful actress and always has been. Uh, she stands about six one. Oh, she's she? a big gal. She's so, really tall and imposing. Uh, tumbleweeds, I think, was the first one. That was her Oscar nomination. Yeah, yeah. 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 and uh, she is <coughs> she is a powerful presence here. Uh, the idea here is that <coughs> this all takes place in a uh, at a place called Barfield Prison. And there's uh, there's a riot and all kinds of awful things happen and the uh, the warden the governor is fired and she gets the new job so she is a a tough woman who now has to run a, an all male prison and uh, that obviously is a great setup for yeah. good acting interesting uh, you know dynamics uh, class dynamics race dynamics there's all kinds of really interesting stuff that goes on. And uh, some tremendous supporting parts here. You know, Sophie Okaneda, who would go on to, to act and get an Oscar nomination for Hotel Rwanda. Uh, Eamon Walker, who has since been on uh, Oz and Chicago Fire. Uh, these, are, these are all, you know, really, really amazing actors. And uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah. Idris Elba. So you see the birth of a lot of tremendous performers in this uh, really, really tough, gritty show, uh, which uh, came to us from Linda LaPlante, who also uh, created Prime Suspect. So a uh, really tough show. The Governor, the Complete Collection from Acorn. Really good. Uh, the, the, the wonderful uh, The Handmaid's Tale Season 1, uh, which Hulu gave us. Uh, won, won the Emmy. Won, uh, just, you know, really, yeah. you know, streaming. Uh, you just never know. Uh, I, I remember, you know, covering the, uh, the film, the, uh, that, uh, who, who made that film back in 90, whatever it was, Robert Duvall. Yeah. Was, uh, anyway, they were, they, right. it didn't quite work, that film. 
Uh, uh, but this series reconstructed and reset in the present day or slightly in the future, uh, reconceiving the sort of circumstances of all of this a bit. And then uh, with these extraordinary, extraordinary uh, performances, uh, Elizabeth Moss <coughs> at the center of it playing Offred. Uh, it's just really a, it's just I'm an amazing I'm series. I'm thrilled for Elizabeth Moss. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. She between this and the uh, the Jane Campion thing, yeah. uh, she she you know her television profile has really gone up, and she used to be just be kind of a supporting actress. She'd show up in this and that. Yeah, and the man other thing. walked around Mad yeah. Men right for a long time. I think yeah, yeah and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But there and she is. She's, you know. she's and, and you know what? And, and, and I'll say this, and I, and I hope people will take it in the way that I mean it. Um, she's not traditionally what we would call beautiful. No, she's lovely. Yeah. but not traditionally beautiful. Yet, uh, she plays these roles where she has to be the thing that draws the attention of men uh, in this very particular way, and, and certainly her presence does that. Yeah. Uh, you believe it completely and totally, despite the fact that she's, you know, what, not Margot Robbie or whatever, just to pick right. up. Whatever. Anyway, uh, uh, the first season of The Handmaid's Tale, quite powerful, uh, and I suggest people get it. Uh, special features here, script to screen. Uh, so the, you know, one of those things where you can take a look at the actors and see how it was all translated to the screen. Beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. The Handmaid's Tale. I got three more from Acorn TV here, and then uh, another one that I'm just going to give a real quick shout-out to. When Calls the Heart, this thing just does not stop. It just keeps on coming. So if you love this real goopy Hallmark uh, stuff from the, uh, the Michael Landon family factory uh, based on the Jeanette Oki novels, uh, When Calls the Heart, The Heart of Homecoming. Oh, my goodness. I'm waiting for the one w uh, called the uh, the heart of of blood. <laughs> well, that'll be when they go uh, all giallo on us. Um, but you know, you just love people looking sweet and wearing Canadian Mountie uniforms, and it's just having love and family and all kinds of yeah, whatever. Uh, it's uh, it's getting a little uh, it's getting a little excessive, but gosh, people just love this, and it keeps Hallmark going strong. Uh, the Acorn TV stuff continues to be really really powerful. Uh, one here that I was completely unfamiliar with, and the other two are just kind of continuing things. I'll give you the update on those for on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, the Broken Wood Mysteries Series 4, which continues to be really, really solid. Uh, just, just great, you know, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand-style British uh, procedural mystery crime-solving, basically. Uh, but the New Zealand backdrop really does matter. It's just, it's, it's really, really a great show. Uh, the Broken Wood Mystery Series 4, particularly sharp on, uh, because the backdrop is so gorgeous, particularly sharp on, uh, on Blu-ray. Uh, a Place to Call Home, Season 5, offers us a wonderful uh, snapshot of Australian life and drama and intrigue in uh, 1958. Uh, really quite interesting. You know, 1958 in Australia isn't so far different from 1958 in America. Yeah. And I've always found the parallels between the two cultures and countries to be uh, quite interesting. So um, continues to be very, very good. Uh, I wish this was on Blu-ray because it, it just, again, like New Zealand, the backdrops are just so beautiful. So hopefully that'll happen at some point. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it, I, I want to say it's a little thorn birdsy. Nah, ah, it's not quite that goopy and that soapy, but it has, it has, you know, some similar aspects to it. And then this is what I was completely unfamiliar with before, Love, Lies, and Records. Uh, this is an Acorn TV original, and uh, it, is, uh, it takes place in a – this is a drama, but with some kind of uh, lighter edges to it. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I almost don't even know how to describe the genre this it fits into because mm -hmm. it's, 
it's 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 funny it's dark it's insightful uh and it means to be because it take all takes place inside of a british register office mm. which is you know that's that's like the public recorder's office here so uh you know everything that happens in anybody's life of any of, of any significance is going to pass through the register's office not exactly what i would imagine to be an interesting place i i would just think it's a whole lot of dull uh, paperwork and and clerical work, but they find an interesting way here to um, to put a character right in the middle of this. Uh, senior registrar Kate Dickinson, uh, played by Ashley Jensen, uh, and uh, to somehow make that job situation, that environment, uh, a linchpin for all these very very interesting character and story threads and relationship threads. And it's really uh, it, it works. It's very very interesting. Uh, it's it's oftentimes much funnier than I would have expected it to be, and sometimes a lot darker than I would have expected it to be. So, Love Lies and Records uh, is a really really cool new uh, entry from uh, from uh, Acorn TV, and uh, looking forward hopefully to more of this. This is uh, six episodes on two discs, mm. so we can we can do with a lot more of this. Fascinating. I have in my hand the uh, season one first season of The Outer Limits. Tell me if you think this is true. Okay. Th- there are Outer Limits people and Twilight Zone people, mm-hmm. uh, and generally speaking, they're not the same people. Uh, I happen to be both. Yeah, I am too. Um, uh, and, I, and I suppose you might throw Night Gallery people into yeah. that into that grouping too. Yeah. Um, um, I, I I I like both oh, because to me they're sort of distinctive in a, in a bunch of different ways. For one thing, The Outer Limits was much more uh, about science. I mean, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff with a lot more about science. Twilight Zone, you never knew what the hell was going to happen in a Twilight sure. Zone. Uh, and Night Gallery, of course, was just straight up horror. Yeah. Uh, but but the the Outer Limits, I I was I gravitated to a bit more because science, generally speaking, was at the center of whatever right. the hell was going on in the yeah. Out of limits, and I was one of those guys. A lot of them are about space, this and space aliens, and all that kind of stuff. Nevertheless, uh, the entire first season of The Outer Limits, 32 episodes. Uh, there is nothing wrong with your television set. <laughs> I, you know what? When that w- when it would open that way, when I was a real little kid, mm. I would always go test that. Yeah, I'd get up, go over there, and turn it off. <laughs> Just to make sure I still had control, turn it back on. Uh, um, I love the Outer Limits. Fantastic. It, Gorgeous box, too. I am I am thrilled this is finally on Blu-ray. Because, you know, the Twilight, Twilight Zone has been on, on Blu-ray forever and in several different incarnations. And the Outer Limits was first released on Blu-ray, uh, or first released on DVD, in 2002 and 2003. And then they kind of tried to refashion it a little bit, and they repackaged it and released it again in 2007. And uh, they finally gave us a, a box set in 2008. And then for the last 10 years, nobody's done anything with it. And finally, it's like, hey, yeah, totally, way to go. So thank you, Kino Lorber and uh, 20th Century Fox, uh, for finally giving us the, the long overdue Blu-ray of uh, The Outer Limits, the first season. Bring on the rest of the episodes. Nah. I want all the rest. Uh, I, 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 for whatever reason, I found myself slipping into uh, watching, binging uh, yeah. the first <coughs> season of Dirk Gently's uh, Holistic Detective Agency, a perfectly <laughs> ludicrous UK TV yeah. show. W- for what, for whatever reason, Elijah Wood is in, along with a bunch of British actors. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's yeah. sort of goofy, sort of a uh, uh, detective uh, who draws in all of these wacky characters, including 
uh, Elijah Wood into being sort of a sidekick. Well, here and right, this is the this is season two. If you thought season one was wacky, season two is twice as wacky. Yes, uh, but it's a lot of fun too. Uh, uh, here, the, the the detective and his group of uh, sidekicks have to save the Earth from alien invaders and all kinds of the BBC show. I thoroughly enjoy uh, Dirk Gently. Holistic Detective Agency, and uh, you know, I gotta think that most people would. There is a bonus feature, a recap of season one. So if you haven't seen season one, if you pick up this, they'll do a little re recap for you. But I, I suggest you go just binge it, watch it, and uh, and then this will be that much more fun. I got a lot of real funny stuff for you here. So we're gonna start with some uh, some just classic volumes one and two of the very best of Victor Borga. Uh, uh, volume one has seven specials, and volume two has eight specials and a bonus CD. Uh, these are from PBS, and Victor Borga is just one of the one of the first people who ever made me laugh to to the point of of losing control of my bowels. <laughs> uh, he, I loved him as a kid. I've loved him as an adult. It's just so unbelievably funny. When I was learning piano as a kid, yeah, I developed an especial a very special appreciation for what he was doing because Victor Borga is a concert-trained pianist. Yes. Uh, an amazing history, by the way, his life. If you don't know much about his life, you know, Victor Borg is a Danish Jew, and there's a whole kind of Holocaust-era mm. drama that goes, uh, that leads up to this. And yet he is just one of the funniest, most brilliant original talents of all time. Uh, what he, just, especially his verbal punctuation. Yeah. So many original things. Such a great, great original. Uh, and all in a language that is not his original language. Uh, it's just beyond funny. This is, let me under, underline this. This is 17 hours wow. of Victor Borga. And it's over not how many Over how many years? It's got to be over. Oh, over, yeah, over, decades. Over decades. decades. Yeah, decades. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not enough. Uh, I, could, I could do with at least twice as much. This is just, you can watch, you can put this on a loop. Uh, my daughter will definitely be acquainted with this. And then uh, Ronan Martin's Laugh-In. Oh, my God. I watch that every day, you know. Complete third season. Yep. Uh, third season, this thing's really hitting its just stride. Just a gem, just a <clears throat> cultural archive yeah. of, uh, of, of of humans, of people yeah. uh, from the culture, but also ideas and thoughts <coughs> and uh, this, the, the singing of the day, yeah. uh, the, the things that they would talk about. So much of which, I, I, and I literally do watch it every day. It comes on one of the broadcast yeah. channels where, where they play nothing but old shows. Yeah. And I'm watching this show, and I'm seeing Dick Cavett, and I'm seeing Richard oh, Pryor, and I'm this, seeing this, Lily Tomlin. This is, a, a, this is a great season. I mean, obviously. Obviously, Goldie Hawn was a regular on the yeah. show, and she's still, you know, very much in our in our consciousness. But uh, you know, and uh, Henry Gibson, you oh, know, I, I, yeah. I I knew I knew Henry Gibson's son when I was in school. That's right. And uh, you know, really, just a lot of great people. But honestly, when you look at the people who guest on this, uh, it's amazing, <laughs> including Richard Nixon. <laughs> uh, 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 third know, season, yeah. third season alone has. Some of the people who are just icons of the period, whose names I never even think about outside this era. Flip Wilson, yeah. Engelbert Humperdinck, the Monkees. Um, you know, it's just Fra Frank Sinatra and Nancy Sinatra, Sonny and Cher, Ringo Starr, who yeah. just got knighted. Yeah, got knighted yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's really and, great. And, 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 and again, you know, the the show, you know, that 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 format, which will never be duplicated, by the way. Saturday Night Live is not the same thing. A no, lot of people not say at Saturday all. It's not the same thing at no. all, not remotely. Um, so topical. Uh, talk, you know, the war, yeah. uh, uh, the Pope, uh, yeah. the uh, you, you all <clears throat> again. You know, it's it sort of to me when I watch that show, it makes me much more calm about the circumstances of our society today. Yeah. When I watch a show like uh, Laughing because it reminds me that you know what this is all the same. 
Yeah. There's not a single different thing in no. the universe. No. Uh, not, a di- no, no, not a new thought, not a new idea. We got some new technology, but that's all. All the ideas are the same. So, you know, when, when, when things are going goofy, uh, I, I just watch laughing. And yep. about, you know the other thing I watch? Oh, you, you got watch. you got two uh, more of those. Two more, real quickly. Uh, Peyton Place third season uh, is is just a, a stone cold riot. Peyton Place was a was a soapy movie yeah. that they turned into a soapy TV show in the '60s, and uh, this is from 1965. Uh, very young Mia Farrow, unbelievably wow. young Ryan O'Neill, uh, really soap it up in this precursor to Dallas and Dynasty, and uh, along with you know old schoolers like Dorothy Malone and Barbara Perkins. I I I still had it. I still kind of have fun with this because it's just so cheesy. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's really nothing that that works about this anymore. <laughs> no. It just it's just Again, funny to it's an just, archive of a period. It's just an archive of a period. And then the uh, the Robot Chicken Walking Dead special, which I you know I've not been hugely fond of Robot Chicken, but I got to be honest, this one's pretty darn funny. Uh, it's uh, this is just going zombie with stop motion animation for some reason just is unbelievably funny. So I, I really I applaud them for actually even thinking that they could go there, that they could take their whole robot chicken animation thing into uh, into the world of zombies and The Walking Dead. Really quite a lot of fun, and uh, also comes with a digital copy. Yeah, funny, 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 dude. I'm so uh, I'm so glad you let me do this one, Mister Rogers Neighborhood. Uh, this is just a, this is just a, well, this is a collection. This is 1968, uh, 1918, 50-year collection, which is weird because uh, 1968 to 2001 yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is how long the show ran. But nevertheless, uh, the, it's the fifth, it wouldn't be the 50th year. This includes 30 classic episodes, so it's curated. It's not every single episode. Yep. There are over 900, well, 890-odd episodes for the actual show. But this does include the original uh, pilot, black and white uh, pilot, of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Let, you know, and, and, uh, let me just say that, you know, Fred Rogers, this show, uh, it was just a most extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary thing. Uh, many of the most important lessons I learned uh, about being a human uh, came from Fred Rogers, and I think that's probably true of a whole lot of people. Uh, and, uh, I mean, even more than Sesame Street for me. I know a lot, a lot, of, a lot of people our age it would have been Sesame Street for them. But, you know, I enjoyed Sesame Street. I was a Sesame Street kid. Sure I was. Big Bird and all of that. But Mr. Rogers was a human. Uh, and, and despite all of those other characters, Mr. Rogers was this human. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, and again, this is coming from, you know, a brother who lived in the hood. Yeah. Cranking up this dude uh, every afternoon. Yeah. Would just settle a brother down. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, "Oh, okay." You know, there's a, there's there's a cat like that, and he would and he would, and so it was just a beautiful thing. So this is a four disc set. Uh, it, it's uh, that the original black and white pilot, right through episodes, through every de- decade, including uh, right up to two thousand and one. Here's here's my you know I watch Mr. Rogers every afternoon as well. Like like I think everybody did. Um, here's what came through for me, and and you don't know it at the time. You don't know really what attracts you to him or his show with that tinkly music and the whole thing, but you look forward to it. And um, here's what it was for me as I look back on it. It was kindness. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. show was kind, and it was personal. And he looked right into that camera, and he took advantage of television in a way that people took advantage of it in the early days of television in the 1950s, mm. and which by the 1970s, people had kind of forgotten that it had that power. Everything was about, you know, this sizzle and TV and cutting and drama and action and funny, and that just the idea of being very simple and one camera and personal and just reaching through that, that, mm. that camera and talking to people, um, it still mattered to kids. Yeah. 
And, you know, uh, it, it, for, for kids who, who need somebody to be kind to them, whether they're being picked on at school or they have no siblings or they're in a broken family, whatever it is, yeah, you, that you, kindness mattered. If, you, if your own dad yeah. uh, was, you know, <clears throat> not like that, yeah. that guy was a hell of a surrogate dad. It was great. You know, yeah. yeah. Fantastic show. Uh, a couple of Blu-rays here. One <coughs> 4K, the other one uh, just regular Blu-ray. The regular Blu-ray is Nightfall Season 1 from the History Channel. Uh, the History Channel trying to do a little bit of the same thing that they did with Vikings uh, by telling the story of the Knights Templar and dramatizing the Knights Templar in the same way that they've dramatized Vikings, weaving a little bit of history in with a whole lot of uh, bloodshed and, and gore and sexy drama and as much as you can do on the History Channel. Uh, it's kind of the same formula. It is, uh, <clears throat> I think, similarly problematic on a lot of levels. Vikings is interesting because um, my ancestor... Uh, who was the first Duke of Normandy, has become a character on Vikings ah. in the last few years. <laughs> and and uh, it's a little weird looking at Vikings and going, that's not my family. <laughs> like uh, but anyway, the, uh, the, the Nightfall is, I know I know a fair amount about the, the history of the Knights of Templar, uh, as I was a history major before I was a film major. So uh, a lot of this stuff was on my radar. And um, this really takes some pretty loose liberties. Mm. I give them credit for not going completely off the reservation. They they still try to weave in bits of history in a significant way, and they and they kind of do. the 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 Holy Grail stuff gets a little bit wonky, but uh, still, it's uh, you know for a sort of third tier um, Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah. It's it's not on the same level of Game of Thrones. It's not even on the same level as what they're doing now on Into the Badlands, which is just sensational. But it's 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 um, it's maybe. A half a notch better than Vikings, I think, just because it's a more interesting milieu. So, uh, Nightfall season one, let's see where it goes. And then uh, Blue Planet two, 4K Ultra HD from BBC Earth. I can't tell you how just gorgeous this is. If you want something that will show off your 4K television and your 4K Blu-ray player better than anything else, this is it. Blue Planet two. This is your new reference standard. Uh, it is it is just literally showing the most amazing photography the world has to offer of the most amazing sights all around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, primarily you know the oceans and things pertaining to the oceans, uh, and uh, you know the environmental theme behind it obviously is extremely relevant. But um, more relevant to me is this will make your whole 4K setup just blow up, and it will show everybody why you got to switch to 4K. It is tremendous. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, the complete eighth, eighth season of Archer. Um, you know, you know the the animated series. Out of so, so here's the thing. Uh, <coughs> Two thousand nine. You know, Ar Archer comes out. I, I watch Archer. Uh, got the joke. Quit watching Archer. Never watched it again. Because I got the joke. It yeah. was fine. It was funny. But uh, you know what? Don't want to see this every damn day. I did. I agree with you completely. Uh, I got uh, it in about five minutes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'm out. Uh, and, uh, but nevertheless, it's, it hung around uh, for uh, <laughs> another decade or so. This is the complete eighth uh, season. It's still just uh, about the same show that it was when it started, uh, oddly enough. Uh, this has uh, uh, special features, audio commentary on the select episodes. Two-disc set contains a total of eight episodes. Enjoy your eighth season of Archer. All right, uh, let's see what we can get done here. we got a few minutes left in the show. Uh, a whole lot of classic movies that we have here. Kino has really just bombed us lately with some unbelievably great stuff. Unbelievably great stuff. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through the, uh, the Kino lineup here. 
Uh, I am a mad fan of W.C. Fields. My father had, had interfaced with W.C. Fields a little bit, admired him greatly, uh, and uh, always kind of trotted him out to me as a great example of somebody who was uh, an amazing wit, a, uh, a, a, mu a very smart comedic talent in how he sort of used physical comedy and verbal comedy in a very low-key way. Mm. You watch W.C. Fields, you really are learning a lot. And, uh, of course, came from vaudeville and that amazing uh, training ground that gave us so many people in the, in the early days of the movies. Um, the two uh, that they are giving us here, Running Wild and It's the Old Army Game, not really among the more well-known W.C. Fields uh, movies. The, uh, these are both, uh, tr you know, basically from the, the, you know, he started in the silent era, like a lot of these guys did, and, and then transitioned. And, uh, you know, people forget that there was, you know, we, we think obviously of Chaplin and Keaton mm -hmm. and those guys who primarily were silent figures, but never, you know, Harold Lloyd, but never really fully made the jump to the sound era. They mm -hmm. always kind of struggled in the sound era. But there are those who started in the silence and hit their stride mm -hmm. in the sound era, and that includes uh, Laurel and Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. yeah, and um, and and uh, W. C. Fields was another one of those. It's the old Army game is a is a kind of a late silent from 1926, and um, you know we associate so much of W. C. Fields with his with the voice and the verbal comedy and all that that you you sometimes miss uh, how great he was when he was in the silence, where he really kind of plied his trade. Um, this was his fourth film, but he wa this is the, uh, allegedly the, the one where he kind of was able to make his, uh, form his persona and make his character, uh, and uh, it's adapted uh, presumably from a play that he had written. So you, you do see how you're taking a play where there's dialogue and turning it into a something silent where there isn't dialogue, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's really very smart. It's really, really, really very smart. Uh, the whole the whole idea here, the whole gimmick is rather simple, but he is so unbelievably funny, and it's such a smart film. Uh, this is uh, mastered from the original Elements, uh, from the uh, version, the, the Elements preserved by the Library of Congress, and uh, it's terrific. You also get an audio commentary from James Niebauer, who is the author of the W.C. Fields films. And then... Um, <coughs> The 1927 film, Running Wild, which comes uh, right after it, is, I think, the last silent film that he made before he went to, uh, to the talkies. And uh, this is even funnier and even smarter. It's uh, black and white, obviously, again, and uh, has another audio commentary on it by uh, Niebauer. Um, and once again, you know, mastered from the elements the, in the Library of Congress. Uh, but this is a little bit different. Uh, this is a little bit more slapsticky, not adapted from a play. Uh, this is written specifically for the film, for, for the screen. And um, you do see a, kind of a different sensibility to W.C. Fields here. Um, you see somebody who for a moment was maybe going or thought that he might be going into a Max Senate direction mm. and eventually chose not to. So it just if you want to fill out your, your understanding of W.C. Fields and the genius of his comedy, those two films are really essential. And then uh, here are the rest of the Kino lineup. Uh, Fistful of Dynamite, nah. otherwise known as Duck You Sucker with Rod <laughs> Steiger and James Coburn. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> this is just a this is just a rollicking Sergio Leone um, 
a kind of comedy western that came on the on the uh, the heels of the uh, the Eastwood films. It's just it doesn't mean to be uh, anything other than an awful lot of fun. Two guys just lighting it up. I sometimes compare this as to a, like a spaghetti western version of uh, the man who would be king. You're watching two guys have a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Steiger and Coburn are just a great team together. Uh, no, no orchids for Miss Blandish uh, is a uh, was kind of a scandal at the time. It's not really that scandalous to look at now. It's a it's a very solid noir directed by uh, Saint John L. Close, who not isn't really that well remembered, but the movie is, uh, and it certainly has some uh, some very interesting performances in it by people who are otherwise not very uh, significant at the time. Um, it is a you know it's. Um, it's a it's kind of basically a British uh, noir, but it was remade into the Grissom Gang in 1971, which is a uh, a you know a Robert Aldrich film that yeah. most people remember much more fondly, based on the same novel. But No Orchids for Miss Blandish has obviously a much uh, a profile all its own. Um, we've got Stingery with Irene Dunn and Richard Dix, uh, directed by William Wellman, who had previously uh, directed the Oscar-winning All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, this takes place in Australia in the late 19th century. It's got an audio commentary by Wellman's son. It is a perfectly serviceable 1934 melodrama, period melodrama. Uh, nothing particularly, uh, you know, memorable about it. Uh, it just has a great cast. Richard Dix and Irene Dunn, both very, pretty terrific in it. Uh, the three that I'm going to recommend most highly here, Joan of Arc, in, uh, oh, yeah. starring Ingrid Bergman, directed by Victor Fleming, um, who, of course, did Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. Uh, this was made in 1948, when Victor Fleming was kind of on the tail end of his career. This film gets a lot, catches a lot of flack. I actually think it's a very, very good film. Of all the many Joan of Arc films that have been made, it's obviously not the most faithful. Yeah, but it's not Ingr Theodore Berg Dreyer or anything. But, but it's, Ingrid know, Bergman's yeah. really good in it. Uh, John Barrymore and Myrna Loy in uh, David Oselznik's Topaz, which is uh, a wonderful movie from 1933, early sound era, has a commentary on it by Cat Ellinger, which is very, very good. Uh, you know, the this is a it's a it's very much a movie of its day. It's clearly all shot, you know, melodrama period melodrama as well, all shot on a on a soundstage. But uh, Barrymore is terrific, and then uh, the Lion in Winter with Peter O'Toole uh. and Catherine Hepburn. Tremendous yes. movie. Yes. Uh, Toward the force of acting. They have the archival commentary from Anthony Harvey, the director, uh, is on this. I know a little bit about Anthony Harvey because Anthony Harvey worked with my friend Martin on uh, The Ultimate Solution of Grace Quigley, which ah. Martin wrote and Anthony uh, Harvey directed, and apparently not very well, in Martin's <laughs> opinion, because Martin's writer's cut is recognized by Leonard Maltin as the only writer's cut in the history of the movies. Oh. And Martin will tell you all about why Anthony... Well, Martin's passed now. Yeah, he was passed, but he'll tell you all, he'd tell you all about why Anthony Harvey uh, was <laughs> really messed it up. But he did a great job on this movie. It's wonderful. You don't even know that Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn are like 20-some years, years apart. Years apart, yeah. Yeah. And Peter O'Toole is playing the same... He's playing uh, King Henry uh, II, is it? Uh, just as he did in Beckett, but uh, a much older version. Yeah. And then the last Kino here is a double feature of Mike Bender films. Uh, Mike Binder films, Mike sorry. Mike Binder films. Cross the Bridge and Indian Summer. I like Mike Binder a lot. I think he's a really underrated writer-director. I did the uh, junket for Crossing the Bridge and Josh Charles and all those guys. Oh, did be you? Before the, that Baldwin went nuts. I see, think Stephen Baldwin. You see, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Crossing the Bridge, 
but I love Indian Summer. Yeah, that was I, 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 Indian Summer, I just think, is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful, incredibly fun movie. Uh, and uh, the main reason that I love Indian Summer uh, is just the cast. It's a tremendous cast. Alan Arkin, Bill Paxton, Elizabeth Perkins, uh, uh, Kevin Pollack. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so, so much fun. Uh, so he, he, he learns a lot. This is about people, a bunch of people who go back to uh, the summer camp that they enjoyed as kids 20 years later and yeah. try to relive the experience. And uh, there's a very funny cameo in here, too. It's a, it's a sweet movie. I like it a lot. I got a couple of Hal Roaches. Hal yeah. Roach, of course, known for comedy. <laughs> uh, one of the DVDs features three Hal Roach films, uh, classic comedies. Yeah. Uh, Turnabout, wh- uh, which is really a neat movie. Um, a movie that was based on a book by the guy who created the Topper series, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, uh, Housekeeper's Daughter, uh, 1939 film. This one was kind of neat, too. Uh, uh, sort of a front-pagey murder mystery sort of thing, you know, with a newspaper, a couple of newspapers investigating a murder. You know, this kind of thing. The one that I like the most, though, is Roadshow. It's a th- that this, this concept's fun. I, you, could not, you could not do this concept today. It's about a guy. Uh, uh, with a lot of dough. He finds himself in a situation where he's committed himself to marrying this person who's plainly a gold digger, and the only way he gets out of it, he pretends to be crazy. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that today. <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, three classic uh, Hal Roach films, Turnabout Roach Show, and The Housekeeper's Daughter. And then Hal Roach from a 1939 film, different sort of thing for him, Captain Fury. Which is more of an adventure, action, adventure, romance kind of thing than his, rather than his classic sort of comedy thing, uh, set in Australia and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what I like about this movie is buried way down in there. If you're paying attention, you will see uh, John Carradine uh, in this movie, Virginia Field. All of these people, just you know, yeah, you, uh, hardly anybody in 1939. Yeah. They're in this movie if you're looking close. So sort of neat. Hal Roach, Captain Fury from 1939. We got three great ones from Olive as well. Olive Films has been licensing a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, the Hallelujah Trail with Burt Lancaster and Lee Remick. From oh, I love that movie. 1965. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's great, right? Uh, the best thing about this is the score by Elmer Bernstein. Best thing about that is Re- Lee Remick was fine <laughs> as hell in 1965. That's the best she thing was. about that. The, 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 the Elmer Bernstein score is, is just terrific. John Sturges, of course, of, of uh, the Dirty Dozen and many other great movies, uh, directs the daylights out of this fantastic widescreen 2-3-5 aspect ratio. It's just gorgeous. One of the all-time great westerns of the 1960s with a tremendous cast. Burt Lancaster, Lee Remick, Jim Hutton, Pamela Tiffin. Uh, it's, uh, and this was made by the Mirish Corporation, yeah. who was doing all the Pink Panther stuff and the uh, Billy Wilder stuff. They were the first independent company, by the way. Really? And, Walter? Walter, and Walter Mirish is still with us. Yeah. yeah well. Kicking it. And then also Great Balls of Fire with Dennis Quaid playing uh, the, the uh, legendary uh, Jerry, Lee Jerry Lee Lewis. Not very well, I'm afraid. Uh, Young Winona Ryder. I think she was like 14 or something yeah. uh, when she did that movie. You know, so this, beautiful uh, it was ridiculous. I, Dennis Quaid is a little bit miscast. He's he's acting the hell out of this part, and yeah. he's overdoing it to try to be as flamboyant as Lewis was when he, you know, just burned With up that the, leg out there. But yeah. but it's just it's too much, you know. Um, Alec Baldwin played his uh, Jerry Lee's cousin was Jimmy Swaggart. 
And I'm pretty yes. sure Alec Baldwin played Jimmy Swaggart in he, that movie. Yes, he does. And uh, it's, it, you know, I wanted to like this more because I love Jim McBride as a director. Jim McBride's always made some fun films. But I, th- this movie just, it's, it's, it's like it too much. It's just too much. It tries too hard. Uh, and it tries to sensationalize too much the whole issue well, of, the, of yeah. the relationship, yeah. right? Yeah. That's yeah. It. Well, anyway. It's, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's there. It's on Blu-ray. All of it, it got a good us, get with that. It gave us Winona Ryder. That's, it gave that's, us that's Winona like Ryder. my first Winona Ryder movie. And then John Frankenheimer's unbelievably great Birdman of Alcatraz ah. from 1962, which won Burt Lancaster an Oscar uh, very deservedly. Another tremendous Elmer Bernstein score. Wonderful supporting performances, especially by Carl Malden, who's always just damn great, and Telly Savalas. Uh, this is just a, a really, really great movie. Uh, Carl Malden and Telly Savalas. Those are two names you don't hear a whole lot. You don't. And what a, what a great, wonderful, wonderful movie. You know, the... Uh, I mean, the story—the story of the of a guy in Leavenworth—is um, not something that you would normally expect to be as heartwarming and humanistic as this is. Yeah, a and prison, a prison movie. It's yeah. a prison movie, yeah. man. Uh, but it's great. It's just a wonderful movie, and everything about it is great. Edmund O'Brien is tremendous. You know, it, n- everything clicks. It's just one of Frankenheimer's very best, and a very unusual Frankenheimer movie. So, 1962, uh, the tremendous Birdman of Alcatraz on Blu-ray. Thank you, Olive. Ah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, a, a couple of these sort of you know dis- disparate uh, films, uh, the Burbs. Man, yo, yeah. Tom Hanks had a funky <laughs> little run there for a minute. The, the, yeah. the, the man with it was one bumpy. red shoe. It was bumpy. Joe versus the volcano. Burbs is bumpy. The Burbs is one of those, was one of them. And you know, an idea, there. but it has a following. The, yeah, you know the, these people. Joe Dante film. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this has all kinds of fantastic special features on it. Uh, so I don't it, it, look if you're uh, sort of uh, Tom Hanks uh, completist. I happen to be a fan of young, funny Tom Hanks. Yes. Flash, yes. The Bachelor Party. I like that guy. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy that was running around uh, in the dress on uh, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the TV show. You know? yeah. yeah. And then Tom Hanks, you know, I, I guess about the time he hits what? Bosom Buddies. Uh, Bosom Buddies. Yes. About the time he hits Philadelphia. Now we got a different. Now we got Academy. <laughs> now we got Academy yeah. Award nominee Tom Hanks, yeah. and he's the Academy. He's that. He's that guy for about the Jesus. The Jesus G- of yeah. the nineties. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, whatever with that guy, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, but I'd have shot his ass in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um. And, but the Burbs, it's, it's it's one of these sort of wacky. Tom Hanks is a little bit darker kind of guy movie. This particular DVD has an alternate ending on it, and, oh. it, and it's worth it for that alone. And you that that Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> However, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three, mm-hmm. which by the way still came out in 1990, which tells you how old these damn movies are. Yeah, how far they go back to the I guess 70s, middle 70s, that first Leatherface yep. movie, based loosely, very loosely, on the true story of a uh, serial killer in Texas. Yeah, uh, who would do some absolutely horrible things. Uh, this particular film is not worth uh, getting uh, out of the box, except for the fact that Vigo Morgenstern is yeah. in this movie. No kidding. Why? Got to start somewhere, baby. Oh yeah. All right, and then uh, last two are uh, just completely from Mars here. Tony, <laughs> t- they are the from the Warner Archive collection. Tony Curtis and Monica Vitti in 1969's The, the Chast- Chastity oh, Belt. Oh, dude, I love that. She so is so Mars. sexy in that movie. Well, you know who wrote this? Who? Larry Gelbart. Lit for Mesh and yeah, all? yeah. I mean, it was uh, well. Okay, so let me back up just a little bit. So uh, this is one of the. This is a very unusual thing. This was made by Seven Arts. Seven Arts was a company that uh, was starting to do a lot of very unusual. I, I, and I say that very. That's an understatement. Uh, Seven Arts made just a lot of completely bonkers movies. 
and um, as a, I, it, essentially this is an Italian movie um, that that gets a kind of an American makeover. Mm. So it's directed by Pasquale Festa Campanile. I don't know who he is. Don't care. No. Originally written by Luigi Magni. Don't care. No. But you know what? Larry Gelbart came on and he did something. Got to make, make it work for the Americans. Made it work. And uh, oh, it's a ridiculous movie, but Monica Vitti is like ridiculous hot in that movie. Just so so completely bizarre and, and hilarious. Uh, so yeah, it, it, Larry, I give Larry Gelbart a lot of credit for making this movie what it is <laughs> and working. It's just it's a it's a medieval comedy that uh, it's not really even like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, although it'd make a great double feature between oh, those two it's, films. It's, it's closer to uh, uh, Barbarella. Uh, uh, yeah, something over there. Yeah. It's like if Barbarella mated with the knights that say. Me and I don't know. That's kind of what it is. Um, but the, the the whole idea of you know uh, strapping her up with a, the chastity belt and sending her off on the crusades. Uh, that's basically what it is. Here, have a chastity belt. Go on the crusade. Um, anyway, and then lastly, Thor and the Amazon Women. Ah, yeah. Along with a movie called Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women. Yeah, Venus, uh, I think it is. This yeah. is uh, volume twenty of Frolic Pictures Grindhouse Double Features. And uh, these movies were made in Thor and the Amazon Women is 63. Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women is 68. Uh, just utterly bizarre. I've, I'm unfamiliar with either, either of these. But, you know, uh, Frolic Pictures is doing a great job finding and, and uh, putting they, out they, some they really, really weird... They those. They look good. They look fine. Yeah. They look fine. I mean, this is the, you throw this on when you have some friends over just to have something for laughs. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's for. So uh, Frolic, Frolic Pictures is really doing a great job, kind of scraping the the bottom of the grindhouse uh, market there, and and giving us a few little uh, few little tidbits. So with that, we are done, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye bye. Have you ever? Have you? Was, you are marking a great crazy Ken Russell story. Oh yeah, we've told it on this show You've before. Told okay, good. We've told it before. We'll we'll lay off anyway. That is it for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Send us emails with Croft or the Lara Croft Tomb Raider 4K giveaway in the subject line. Get it to us by the 30th. And Damon, D-A-M-O-N, to win one of the two 4K packs for downsizing to godsatdigigods.com or godsatcinegods.com by the 30th. See you next week.